0: Well, good morning, best looking church in Texas. Maybe the, maybe even the United States. I'm telling you, uh, we are so glad to have you guys here at Timber Creek Church. And uh, if you're a guest, we're so gr- grateful to have you. We hope to serve you well today. You have chosen a great Sunday to kick the tires on Timber Creek Church because we're gonna unpack where we're headed in the next few moments. But before we do, I wanna recognize that we're one church in many locations, and so joining us, uh, you're not a church project. You are part of our church family. I wanna welcome the Diball Correctional Center and the Duncan Unit, also Iglesia uh, Duncan Unit that joined us for the first time last Monday. Over 60 guys at the Duncan Unit Iglesia. Uh, also, everybody online, and Nacogdoches, at the Nacogdoches And joining us, the newest campus of Timber Creek, the Groves Campus there in Groves, Texas. Come on, let's welcome our church family today. Glad to have you. I'm like a rhino in a shoebox today. I got a lot of stuff. I feel like a mosquito at a nude beach. I know what to do. It's just hard to know where to start, but we're just going to get after it. Here we go. Have you heard of Matt Emmons? Matt Emmons Matt is a three-time Olympic medalist, multiple medals in different uh, Olympics, 2004 and eight and 12. But Matt uh, was one of the greatest in his field, and that was in uh, shooting the rifle, in uh, sharpshooting in the Olympics. Matt, in the 2004 Athens Olympics, Uh, was destined to be the gold medal winner, was so far ahead of everybody else that all he had to do was show up to the final shot, uh, aim and hit the target. If he just hit the target, it didn't matter where he hit. He was so far ahead of everybody else in his field that he was guaranteed the gold medal. Sure enough, Matt showed up and he's on the final. And I mean, when you talk about like Olympic style rifle shooting, uh, they train to like pull the trigger in between heartbeats. It is a strategic deal. And he lined up to uh, get that right shot where he would make sure he was gonna aim and, and fire. And he took the breath and he was waiting for the beat. And in between those beats, he pulled the trigger, and I mean, he didn't just hit the target, he hit another bullseye. But something crazy happened. Immediately, the judges disqualified him, and he went from being the gold medal winner to ending up 19th place, and did not even get a medal. Why? Because unbeknownst to Matt, when he lined up, he accidentally, it wasn't purposefully, It wasn't intentional. He accidentally focused on his opponent's target. And because he focused on his opponent's target, he completely missed his own, and he missed it. This is the the photo right after he shot. Like, what? What? And I wonder if you and I have ever felt this way. What? I was doing the right thing. I was aimed up. I was hitting the target, and... It's not about hitting the bullseye on any target, it's about hitting the bullseye on the right target. I wanna encourage you today that as we talk about the vision of Timber Creek Church, it's not just about uh, pulling the trigger and hitting a target, it's about hitting the right target that God has for us. You know, as parents, as leaders, as as husbands and wives, um, you know, you ought to not be afraid of failure. You ought to be afraid of succeeding and a lot of stuff that at the end of the day doesn't really matter. I wonder how many people use up energy aiming, breathing, watching the heartbeat, and they go through life aimed at the wrong target. Well, that's what this all-in idea is all about. All-in is way more than a sermon series that we launched a year ago today. This has been a season of accelerated vision initiatives, accelerated bullseyes that we wanna aim toward. And if you're here and we're starting All In and maybe you've heard it for the very first time today, we're so glad you're, you're you're here. I know that at Groves Campus, you'd be brand new. Since the last time we talked about All In, last March, the church has grown by over 540 people in average weekend attendance. And so there's at least 540 of us in there. I haven't even heard all in yet. So this is really exciting. And so maybe though you're here and because you're here for the first time or maybe you're still, you know, like scratching the surface or or, or dipping your toe, you may not be all in. You may be like, you know, kind of, sorta in. When it comes to church and when it comes to the pastor talking about giving, you're kind of, sorta in or maybe you're not in. Like this is not, you are not in. If anything, you you may not be in because you don't know what all in is all about or you may be not in because you're complaining. Like you're complaining because it's like, I knew the church was after my money and, and the truth is, we're not after your money. God's not even after your money. He don't need your money, but he is after our heart. And where your treasure is, your heart is. That's not a bad thing, that's a truth thing. Where your treasure is, your heart is. I know that your heart is for your kids, and so a lot of your treasure gets dumped into your kids. For some of you, uh, your your hobby, I mean, it's close to your heart, and where your hobby is, your treasure will be. It's just, it's not a sin, it's a fact that where we place our hearts, we put our time and then our talent and also our treasure. And it could be that maybe You get uncomfortable when the church talks about giving. I know for years I was uncomfortable talking about giving. But I've learned to to pull away from that because it's not about what God wants from you, it's everything that God wants for you. And it's not about getting money out of the wallets, it's about making sure our idols aren't in our hearts. And if right now you're visiting for the first time, or you're, you're hearing something on giving from this church for the first time, um, and, and you're like, "Oh man, you know, well, here comes the the hard ask. Here comes the the twisting of my arm. I want this so much for you. I want to unlock the blessings of God in your life so much that if you if you never give anything, but you end up going to another church and start giving to them, that's a win. It's a win. I I just want to see us live the kind of lives God's called us to live. And part of that is in dealing with the idols of our heart, including our power, our pleasures, and our possessions. So maybe you're not complaining. Maybe you're just visiting, and you're really wondering, but when it comes to Timber Creek Church, what's next? What is all in really all about? And I go to one of my favorite scriptures about vision. Vision is what we want to look like down the road, and, and here's, here's the opening scripture for today, and let me jump right in, and it's Proverbs 29 from the message paraphrase, and here's what it says. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. Everybody say stumble. Come on, Knack. Come on, Groves. Say stumble. Well, you're not even Groves and Knack, and you did it. Good job, though. Like they stumble all over themselves. You know, I mean, if if you ever tried to make your way in the middle of the night through a dark room, a hotel room, especially tripping over suitcases and figuring out, like if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble. There's a lot of people that they wanna do a lot of good things. They want God to see what they're doing instead of us seeing what God is doing. And so often we want want to pray the prayer, God, bless what I'm doing, bless my marriage, bless my kids, bless my finances, bless my job, bless my retirement, bless my future. And and to reverse that would be a healthy process if, if we would say, God, I want my marriage to bless you. I want my future to bless you. I want my marriage to bless you. That's when we can really see what God is doing. Otherwise, we stumble all over ourselves doing some good things, but we're like Matt Edmonds and we're hitting the bullseye on the wrong target. But, the scripture says, when they attend to what he reveals, when he shows us something, we begin to walk in that and we attend to it we manage it well we water it we pick the weeds we check on it like like a, like a brisket overnight come on men and some women like just come on like when you attend to what he reveals they are most blessed I, I don't think there's anybody in this room, whether you, you've been a Christian for no years or 100 years, wh- whether you are still investigating the claims of Christ, there's nobody in this room that would say, if there are blessings out there, I only want one of them. <laughs> Everybody would love to experience their kids to be blessed, their lives to be blessed, their finances to be blessed. Nobody's saying, no, 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 please don't bless me. People are looking for the blessed Life, But it's not, about, it's not about giving to get. It's simply about attending to what he reveals. That's the formula. If you'll attend to what he's revealed all throughout scripture, Genesis to Revelation, you will be blessed. When it comes to vision, this isn't about a pastor's vision. This is about God's vision. If you're taking notes, like I said, this is gonna be a fire hydrant sermon today we're gonna jump in. God sets the vision. When uh, When God wants to deliver the Israelites out of bondage in Egypt, God set the vision, but he gave it to a man. God sets the vision, he gives it to Moses, and Moses carries on with the vision that God gave him. Mary. Mary is a teenage girl who gets visited by an angel. God had set the vision of what Mary's life could look like. She could have walked away. From the vision. She could have stumbled all over herself. But instead she attended to what he revealed. And she is most blessed and highly favored. But it was God's vision. She was just a steward of the vision. And she carried out God's vision for her life. God sets the vision for our life. Let me give you just five real quick thoughts on vision. To set up the rest of the day. Number one. God's vision is one of his many languages. Some people think that God is some middle-class Texan uh, that speaks English and whatnot, y'all. If anything, he speaks more Hebrew than anything. I mean, that would be more likely. But God speaks, you know what God, the language God speaks? God, that's what he speaks. He, 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 He is fluent in God. And one of his languages is vision. Scripture says in the book of Acts, in the last days, God says, I'm gonna pour out my spirit on who people? All people. This isn't just for the some. This isn't just for the few. This is for all people have access for his spirit to be poured out upon. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. So it's not a gender thing. Young men will see visions. Old men will dream dreams. It's not a generational thing. It is a all people thing, young and old, male or female thing, I wanna pour out my spirit and you're gonna see these things and you're gonna dream these dreams and that's vision and it's a language that he pours out. Number two, God's vision should be the target of my faith. It should be the bullseye, his vision for my life. The vision that he has for Timber Creek Church ought to be the target of our faith. I wonder how many people, when you evaluate where you've been going, this is your look, this is your face right now. I thought it was gonna be better than this. I thought it was gonna look different. I thought this is what it meant. And scripture says in the book of Hebrews, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. We have to have faith, but we also have to have hope. Hope doesn't make a great strategy, but faith without any kind of hope doesn't really even exist. What I'm trying to tell you is this. If you're gonna set your hopes on things, if you're gonna put your faith in stuff that's hoped for, that vision for the future, set it on what God sees. Set it on what God wants. And you may not be able to make everybody happy, and you can't make anyone happy all the time, but you can always please God. And one of the ways we please Him is attending to what He reveals. Number three, God's vision is always bigger than my ability. Moses is gonna lead the, the Israelites out of bondage, but Moses has got issues, everybody. Moses has got a past. Moses has got a problem. Moses has a hard time speaking. And he's supposed to talk to the Pharaoh? He's like, I'm a stutterer. God? He says, I'll give you the words. Moses comes up with all kinds of excuses. But can I tell you, it don't matter what kind of excuses you can give to God, he'll still use you if you'll just put yourself in his hands, it's amazing what God can do. Even when you're broken, even when you got issues, even when you got a past, even when you got some stuff you really, really, really ridiculously regret, he'll still use you. Here's what's crazy, you heard of the 10 Commandments? You heard of them, what not? One of them is like, thou shalt not kill. Now, most in our rooms have never broken that commandment. Some have. It is what it is. Some have. Some of you haven't gotten caught yet. Some of you have. It is what it is. We have prison venues, okay? I'm just telling you like it is, all right? But can I encourage somebody in the room today that no matter what kind of past you're dealing with, no matter what kind of commandment you broke, the man God chose to receive the Ten Commandments, one of them being don't murder, was a murderer. Murderer. He had murdered in cold blood with his own hands, and yet God gave him the Ten Commandments to share. That is crazy. But God, his vision is always bigger than my ability to do it on my own. He he, he wants to give you something bigger. It's a a happy meal of falafel and schnitzel and shawarma, which was my diet in Israel for 87 days, it felt like. It's good food, for two days. (laughs) But he takes a little happy meal and he makes it and he feeds thousands of people. He's always bigger than my ability. All I can provide is this. When you place it in God's hands, he can do so much more. God's vision, number four, goes way beyond my own resources. Peter, his fishing capacity was only, it was limited by the nets he had. And he was frustrated he had fished all night, hadn't caught a thing, not even an old boot. And yet Jesus shows up and says, launch out into the deep, let your nets down for a catch. Oh, Because you say so, okay. He was reluctantly obedient, but he was obedient. Can you just get reluctantly obedient? (laughs) Can you just take a step like, I don't like this? I'm gonna do it anyway. You never know what God can do if you can just be reluctantly obedient in the right direction. Reluctantly obedient, he casts the nets, and all of a sudden, the whole boat, like, the sound, you ever stepped on into some old wood and it creaks, like, the whole wooden boat, and another boat has to paddle out as quickly as possible to, to help with the massive catch of fish. God's vision goes way beyond my own resources. We can trust him. He, has, he is the God of not just enough. He's the God of more than enough. Number five, God's vision always results in changed lives. He is not about a vision that just makes us comfortable, He's not about a vision that's just gonna stack the deck or just get get you more in store, in the storehouse. He's always giving us vision for changed life. His heart beats for changed lives. You get close to his heart and it's souls. It's souls. It's souls. And that can really be a determining factor on whether your vision for your life is God's vision for your life or your vision for your life. If your vision is fulfilled for your life, if it only changes you and a very small sphere around you, it may not be God's full vision for your life. He always is inviting us into the story. It's great to have a bucket list. How many of you got some things you wanna do before you go to heaven, right? How many of you got some things you wanna do before you go to heaven, right? (laughs) I got some stuff I wanna do. And man, you know, you might have a bucket list. You may wanna climb the Himalayas. You may wanna swim with the sharks. You may wanna kiss the most beautiful girl in the world. I've done one of those. And those sharks are scary. (laughs) I'm telling you. (laughs) jokes I got them we are 96 years old as a church and it's way beyond having bucket lists it's wanting to have the vision God has for this church and 96 years ago with a handful of people in a little house inside downtown Lufkin population 7,000 at the time they gathered together saying God's got a vision for us to launch a new church a few months later, it began to grow and outgrow the living room of that small house with their very first pastor, Pastor DM Rice. Later, they would pitch a tent in downtown and we would outgrow the tent. And about a year later, we'd save up enough resources to build our very first church, the Assembly of God Church, right there on Culver House. And we went through the Great Depression and God still blessed and God was doing crazy things. And those men and women, they were they were selling tomatoes. They were selling peanut brittle just to, just to make Make ends meet in order to grow the church because it was depression time. When it came time to go beyond this little uh, wooden church to build a brick church, I mean, we were going fancy, y'all, People would get off of their long jobs and go to the church and one board by one board would pull those boards off, would take the nails out, straighten the nails, salvage the wood, and reused 80% of the wood and about 60% of the nails in the new building because they wanted to be good stewards with what God had given them because God had given them a big dream to reach people far from God. That was 96 years ago. And since then, now, today, Over 2,500 people every weekend are showing up to our locations and 11 services in seven locations, including our prison venues, plus online. And this is done in two different languages. And I wonder if 96 years ago when the pastor was saying, you know, someday I believe we could reach our entire city 7,000 people, Pastor? I don't know. That's a big old city. That's a whole lot of people. And yet, last year, we had over 6,000 people at our Easter services. Who knows what God wants to do? Who knows what God has next? And the truth is, until heaven is full, until heaven is full, growth isn't an option. You know, the older you get, if you're an investor, if you are preparing for retirement, the older you get, you the financial strategist, your financial advisor will slowly encourage you to shift your liability, to shift your risk, to become safer in your investments because you don't want to lose. And the older we get at Timber Creek Church, if we're not careful, we would take that same because you you got more to lose, You got more campuses, you got more stuff. You got got more things. You got to be thinking about this and thinking about that and and not be willing to kind of bet the farm and get out there and and risk it. And I want to tell you, until Jesus comes back, until heaven is full, we're not going to roll dice because that's just gambling. But we are going to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And when he gives us a vision to go out there and be bold and be a little crazy and a little audacious, we're going to risk it. Cause that's what God's called us to do. That's what vision is. That's what vision is. Yes, you can, you can, two or three, you can clap, that's all right. So how do we describe the vision at Timber Creek? What we want to look like down the road. And we've been saying this for several years. Here, here it is. It's, we simply are, are called to create community destinations. We feel like God's revealed this to us to create community destinations where anyone can find and follow Jesus that anyone can take a next step. In order for this to be a church anyone can come to, you gotta be a Christian anyone can talk to. In order for us to be a church anyone can come to, we don't have to expect people to get it all right before they come into the church. Oh man, I'm surprised you're in here. Man, I thought the walls would cave in. That's what this church is all about. is people thinking that the walls would cave in, thinking that God's up up in heaven, leaning over the walls of heaven, saying, about time. Instead, He's got a a knee on the ground. and He's got his hands wide open. He's saying, I've been waiting. I've been waiting. And community destinations before anybody's ever even in the market for church that through an invite to an event or something special or a wedding or even a funeral, that our campuses would be community destinations, that a process would start that a spark would be lit, that that there would be light bulbs turned on in people's lives to the gospel, the good news that Jesus is not against you, he's for you, but your sin is against you and the enemy is against you and wants to drown you, but Jesus has paid the way for you to be set free from all that. So that vision, creating community destination, it really kind of, this whole two-year accelerated vision initiatives has to do with multiplying locations, multiplying leaders, and seeing a double kingdom impact. In the last 96 years, we've seen now 20,000 men and women and children come to Christ in our services, 20,000. We believe that God, by the time we turn 100 years old, God is calling us to see 36,500 souls saved. That means we're gonna have to add 16,500 in the next four years. That's a whole lot. And we can't do it. It's gonna be beyond our ability, beyond our resources, but God can do anything. He brought 3,000 into the kingdom in one day. And, And that's the kind of power That the Holy Spirit wants to um, empower you with. To be a witness. It's not going to just come from a pastor preaching a message. It's going to come from you just preaching a message with the way you live. And inviting people to the hope that you have. And the peace that you found. And that's not a philosophy. That's a person. And his name is Jesus. He's the greatest person you could ever have in your life. And So we want to see that double kingdom impact because it's not enough for us just to be us three let us be us two it'll do us one let's have some fun when you have the parable of the gold bags of gold their parable of the talents so to speak there's someone that had one bag of gold two bags of gold and five bags of gold And, and and the person that had the one bag of gold they buried it they were faithful with it but they just buried it and god's like no no i'm not after just faithfulness i'm after fruitfulness I'm after fruitfulness too. I don't want to just be faithful here. I want to be fruitful here, everybody. That's what God's calling us to double. So the person that had two and turned it to four, it didn't matter whether they had five and turned it to 10. It's just they doubled what God had given them. And I believe God is calling us to double kingdom impact. That as the years go by, God would continue to double the impact that Timber Creek Church is making in the timber country of East Texas. So let's start with this whole idea of multiplying Locations. I want to kind of give you an illustration here, if I can, that here's what multiplying locations is all about. When, when we're going all in, there is opportunity for us to leverage and launch our existing locations. That means that the current locations we have of Lufkin, Nacogdoches, and Groves, that we wanna leverage them, so that means there's some remodeling coming next week. I'm gonna have some rendering, some master planning of not only our Nacogdoches location, we've just added a a lease space of 5,000 extra square feet to the Nacogdoches location that's waiting to be expanded. That's pretty exciting. And also right here at the Lufkin location, 25 acres. We believe God's called us to, to be fruitful with every single square foot that's on this property. We are out of car space. We are out of kids space. We need more, commu- we, we, we can't bring our kids to church if we can't park our cars. And so, so we, gotta get some, we gotta get some cars saved, so, you know? We gotta get some car seats here. Empty seats are a big deal. Empty parking spots are a big deal. We need some car space, we need some kids space, we need some community space. We're gonna be talking about that over the next couple of weeks. Our prison venues for every campus that we launch, we believe God is calling us to add prison venues to that location. That means that there are some prison venues around the Nacogdoches location that's God calling us to. We've already been in conversation with those prisons. Beaumont has a huge prison system and God is calling us to launch a prison venue at the Beaumont prison location. But beyond our own churches, beyond our own locations, God's calling us to go beyond ourselves and just help church plants. Do we really need more churches? Yeah, we do. We do. We need more churches that are committed to reaching unchurched people. And so we wanna help church planters and their pastors and, church, and, 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 and help them find locations. But on top of that, some of the practical stuff that goes into multiplying locations is you got operations, you got mortgages, you've got insurance you gotta keep up with, you got staffing and utilities. All of these things are part of multiplying locations. So it's not always just like the dramatic church plant stuff. Sometimes it's, it's paying the light bill when you have over 160,000 square feet of space already, it takes a little bit to light that thing. Like keep it nice and cool or keep it nice and warm. And so these are just, this is just one layer of what God is calling us to continue to do. Thank you, my man. Let's talk about the next layer of stuff. And that's multiplying our leaders. You can't have great campuses without great leaders. You can't have great organizations without great leaders. You got to have the right people in the right seats. And, and if, you've, if, you've, if you're a, a student of leadership books, the, the book Good to Great talks about in order to have a good company become a great company, you have to have the right people in the right seats on the bus. But that's actually a flawed, that's a, that's a, that's a flawed illustration. We're not trying to build a bus here, okay, because what that means is right people on the right seats of the bus, there's only one, there's only one person like, you know, driving the thing. We are like a pit crew. Well, you know what? We are like you, we are like those boats that are just like bullets through the lake that everybody's rowing together. When all of us are rowing together in the right seats, in the right cadence, how good and pleasing it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. And we are gonna be in unity rowing. When we row on these things, we gotta have the right leaders in the right spots in order for us to row and continue to do what God's calling us to do. So here are some of the things with multiplying leaders. We we need holistic care for pastors. There are pastors that are burning out right now because. They have no one caring for them, and they've been caring for everybody. Well, they should have. Yeah, get over yourself. Pastors are just as human as anybody else in the room. It's just that there's a little bit less tint on their windows sometimes. You've heard it say, you know, you live in a glass house as a leader. And so last year we we helped launch one of our own staff, Pastor Stephen Courtney, into uh, into ministry as a full time missionary to caring for pastors. Already his calendar is half full of calls that he's getting from all kinds of leaders saying, I have a pastor friend, he's going through the deal. I've got a pastor friend, he's had a failure and, and, and he needs to be restored, will you meet with him? He's dealing with a, a pastor right now that we both know that's going through a, a, a very tough thing in his marriage. And, and like, like, that, not other churches are really focusing on that. That's gonna be something we feel like God is wanting us to attend to, that we would help shepherds get or stay Healthy. Here's some, here's some others. We want to see campus pastors at all of our locations. Campus pastors are our locations. And I just want to celebrate our campus pastors and, and talk about that for a minute. So as I talk about campus pastors, I first want to just celebrate Pastor Victor and Crystal Hinojosa. They are the campus pastors of Iglesia Timber Creek and also all of the prison venues. We're so thankful for what God is doing. Last year... Last year, uh, they shut down for about six weeks, Iglesia Timber Creek, to join us in the English services to hear the vision of All In, and then they relaunched. They had about 50 that they had uh, with them. They have over doubled. They've got over 110 now in the Iglesia Timber Creek. They launched 60 uh, in the Iglesia Duncan unit. God's doing some very cool stuff at Iglesia, Six years ago, this last week, was the six year anniversary that Pastor Dan and Laura Chanowski, our Nacogdoches campus pastors, they joined the team, we love them. Give it up Nacogdoches and Lufkin and Groves, You you know, you know. I love Dan and Laura and their beautiful children, and God has done such an amazing work in them and through them. We had nowhere to go; we didn't have a location. We had to step out in faith, and God birthed some, something from nothing in this Nacogdoches location. and And for six years, has been so so faithful. We just can't wait to see what God does next. Is now over 750 people every single Sunday are showing up. We're out of room in Nacogdoches. Everybody, we got to figure out what to do next. Like that's a- a great, hard, terrible, awesome problem to have. And a a lot of that is the divine hand of God, but it's also the right leaders in the right seats, rowing at the right pace. And Pastor Dan and Laura have been incredible Nacogdoches campus pastors. A few months ago, Pastor Dan and I, I invited Dan into a conversation and we were stirring the waters of what God might be doing next. And as we have a vision to create community destinations, um, it became very apparent that God was placing um, like, a special, like a special anointing and a special covering over Pastor Dan and Laura. And whenever that happens, I kind of get sweaty palms and cross my fingers and, and like, oh boy, here we go. God, don't let them leave because you know part of our heart is to send people to do great work. But as we talked about that, we realized that, that God was not changing their heart towards doing something different at another church, but that God was stirring their heart and God was stirring my heart to see what more could we do at this local church. And so I'm announcing today to the Nacogdoches campus that Pastor Dan and Laura are shifting gears, but it's, it's not gearing down, it's actually gearing up. And I have asked Dan and Laura to oversee, to become our uh, really our pastors over expansion. And what that means is that Pastor Dan and Laura are going to become launch pastors the same way that they launched Nacogdoches, the same way that Paul launched several churches and then handed it to the next generation of pastor. Pastor Dan is 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 called to right here at Timber Creek Church that we would go. So what's happening is you may have seen it at, at, at Timber Creek Knack that Pastor Dan has been deeply invested and involved in Groves because Dan is helping launch that location with one hand while we're searching for a campus pastor with the other so we can have a baton pass and we can see that go so that Pastor Dan then can go and launch the next church. Already, and I, I mean, this is just weird how God works, Not only are we in the process of going to relaunch the Groves campus, but just in the last week, God has brought another church into conversations and we're waiting to sit down with them and we don't know what that looks like. And I I, I can't say anything more than that, but what I will say is God is calling us to come alongside churches that need reviving and also churches that are already running strong but need, that could run even faster. God's calling us to do that. And so Dan and Laura will be shifting gears and and not stepping away from Timber Creek, but from stepping away from that particular assignment of the Nacogdoches campus pastor. In the meantime, whenever God is stirring the waters like that, he's always raising up another leader. And a few months ago, we... Uh, invited um, some friends that had already been on staff for several years. They went and planted a church and was very successful. COVID uh, did a number on their location and they felt like in the COVID season, they had to step away. And and, uh, in that transition time, we started talking again. They were on our team and now they have come back and joined the Nacogdoches campus as associate campus pastors. And and Pastor uh, Marco and Jenny, now we are handing the baton to that now Dan and Laura's, they're going to step out. Pastor Marco and Ginny are going to step into that role of campus pastors over the Nacogdoches location, and we want to celebrate them today at our locations. <laughs> Excited about their family and and how God has organized all those all those steps. And after we're after we pray today and we go back to your campus there in in Nacogdoches we're going to we're gonna, Dan is going to pray over Marco and Marco's going to pray over Dan and you guys make sure you love both of them as we step into not uh, what we're missing but what we're moving forward into but also Lufkin is our largest location and i have realized that the benefit of each location having its own campus pastor. It's difficult for me to pastor all the other pastors and be the lead pastor over the other locations. I need to be empowering other leaders too. And I need to be building up that next generation of, of leaders. And so today I'm excited to announce uh, a campus pastor for the Lufkin location. I'll still be the lead pastor in preaching and and, and, and casting the vision and and, and, and uh, doing what God's called me to do. Uh, but I believe that there ought to be a, a campus pastor for every campus we launch, including our broadcast location. Several years ago, right over here to my right and your left, my wife was standing in a prayer moment and a young lady walked up with tears, dripping down her cheeks and onto her blouse. And she was saying, our family's broken up. We, we just, we need help. We begin to pray. God began to do a work. And a few months later, God completely restored that relationship. The, 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 that family got reengaged, uh, literally marriage reengagement on this stage during another vision series back in the day. And I find it so amazing that in, another, in a vision series back in 2016, there's this whole deal that's going, 2014, all that, when was it? 2016, where the Church I See Vision Series, they're, they're getting re-engaged, and over the last seven years, have been called into ministry, have left corporate America, uh, taken major pay cuts to be a part of pastoral staff, having gotten credentials and minister uh, ministers licensing with the Assemblies of God, and, and it's m- my privilege that already they've been operating kind of behind the scenes as the campus pastor of the Lufkin location, but today at the end of service, we're gonna- going to be able to pray over our new campus pastors here Justin and Whitney Lindsay and I'm excited to announce them today. And they're beautiful kiddos. Awesome what God is doing. Groves. Guess what Groves? I get to announce you're a campus pastor. No, we don't have them yet. We don't have them yet. Okay, that's just a picture of Getty Images, but they're there. God's going to need to illuminate, but that's what we're praying for and if you're a part of Groves, you can be a part of launching what God wants to do. We're not relaunching what you were. We're going to launch what we're called to be. And that's a beautiful partnership to see what God wants to do next. So you keep praying for who God is called to be the campus pastors of Groves. So there's, there's several other things here with multiplying leaders. We have professional coaching and counseling that we want to do for people. Here, here, here's the deal. We all need burden carriers. And part of our vision is to, see, is to see professional coaching and counseling. Last year, I was talking about our online campus and how in Wyoming, we did not have anybody watching in Wyoming and that we were coming for you, Wyoming, and, and we, were, we were doing all that and, and, and we were talking about coaching. That night, I got a message on Messenger And he said, hey, I I actually, uh, I'm I'm a PhD in the counseling and psychology. Uh, We're watching from Wyoming, so you can check that off the list. And it just so happens that we're moving in the summer to the Lufkin area because I've just accepted a job at Stephen F. Austin University and I'm and gonna be a part of the, the, the faculty there. And we started off a conversation and now a year later, Dr. Sutherland and I have met a few times, we're working on a system to launch into this professional coaching and and, and counseling. I mean, even right now, his, his wife is operating one of the cameras, I don't know if we got a shot of that. There she is, she's like operating one of the cameras, right, here. moving from Wyoming and now a part of all in. Isn't that cool? And I just know she loves that with 0% of her heart right now. So, (laughs) but you're awesome. You're awesome. Uh, God's doing some cool stuff. Listen, there is unbuckle the leadership residency. We believe in the next generation. We believe in the leadership development of our community. Everybody wins when a leader gets better. That's all about multiplying leaders. Finally, let me just offer these to you. And then I'm gonna end with a couple thoughts. We're going to reach unreached people groups. If we're gonna double our kingdom impact, we've gotta reach people that have never heard. There are 867 unreached people groups in Africa alone that have never heard the story of Jesus in their heart language. So we're translating Bibles into their heart language so that they can hear We're going to have disaster and relief and outreaches. We already are doing that through Convoy of Hope. We feed over 400 hungry children, and we provide clean water for several villages every single day. This is part of doubling our kingdom impact. We are are passionate about human trafficking. We believe that no one should be a slave. We are... Serious about orphans and widows, those that are maybe forgotten or set aside, and we want to take care of who God has placed in our path. That is all about double kingdom impact. All of these things are things we get to do together. And in a traditional church, in a traditional church, you would have your offerings here and You would give to the disaster fund or the mortgage or the building campaign, or you're going to give a special gift to missions. I don't really tie, but I do like to give to this organization. I want to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to designate my giving. Well, here's what all in is all about. When you go all in and you are participating in giving, you get to be a part of all So when you give, it's not just towards a location. It's not just towards leadership. It's not just towards human, it's towards all of it. It's like a huge kingdom mutual fund, everybody. It's just a little piece of stock and all kinds of cool things that God has called us to attend to, and when we do, I'm telling you, it's his promise, not my promise. You will be most blessed. You will be. Now, God sets the agenda, but would you write this down? We set the velocity with our generosity. God sets the vision, this is what I want you to do. But many times those things go unfulfilled because the people of God do not engage. It was God's vision for them to get into the promised land, but they wandered for 40 years. Why? Because they didn't put their trust in God, they put their trust in themselves. And even though it would have been a six week walking journey, They wandered for 40 years. Their pace was slowed by their lack of obedience and honor and trusting God. So here's the deal. We, as a church, cannot outpace the generosity of our people. God sets the vision, but then we are partners in that, in the velocity, the speed in which these things can happen. So I want to leave you with three questions today. And the first question is this, am I generous? I want you to ask that, and I say it, am I? I'm not asking you to tell me whether I'm generous. My wife will determine that. Am I generous? When I think of my life and I think of my resources and I think of, are there? do you know what? There are places I am generous and there are places I'm not. There are seasons where I'm generous and there are seasons where it's hard to be generous. Am I generous? I want you to ask that question. How would we know if we're generous or not? It's not in our own opinions. It's not in our own understanding. We actually go to the word to to, to discover this whole idea of generosity. Let, Let the word of God define generosity, and then we can answer the question, am I generous? So let me take you to this little Bible devotion that I have in the middle of this vision series. John chapter 12, and it reads like this. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived. You remember Lazarus? That's who Jesus had raised from the dead. It's hard to forget Lazarus down the cul-de-sac that he was dead and now he's alive and it's crazy. And he, drives, he drives by in his Tesla and they're like, that was the dude that was dead. Now, there was a dinner was given in Jesus honor. I wonder why. Cause he like raised Lazarus from the dead. So they're going to be like, hey, we want to do like a potluck with you. Is that okay? Can we do like a celebration? Thank you dinner. Sure. So Martha, you know, Martha, Martha was serving. She was always busy serving. That's what we learned about Martha and her sister, Mary. While Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him, Martha was in the kitchen, getting all the rolls together and making sure the pot roast was ready to go. But then Mary, the sister of Lazarus, she went into the, other room, she took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet, wiped his feet with her hair. This is, this is not a sexual thing. This is a, this is a heart, love, gratefulness, generosity thing. And the house, the entire house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume, but the story goes on. And I love how the Bible doesn't just give us the sweet high notes. It gives us the, the off notes too. Watch what happens. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, you know the one, not a whole lot of babies being named Judas these days. <laughs> Have you, oh, your baby's so cute. What's his name, Adolph? Like we do, you don't do that. You just don't do that. Judas, his name's Judas, our favorite Bible character. (laughs) You need to read the Bible a little clearer. Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected at the whole thing, objected, whoa, 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 here, and I know we're honoring you, Jesus, and you raised the dead and whatnot, but I got an issue I want to send an email. I want to talk to the pastor after service. I got a little bit of issue with you, Pastor Jesus. I want to talk. Like, I don't like what's going on with this gift here. As a matter of fact, why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? Because it was worth a what's wages? A year's wages. This ain't no Dracar Noir from Walmart which back in the day was the stuff I might add way back in the day okay this one no Jovan musk oil or whatever this was this was the nice stuff this was the number 5 this was the Chanel number 5 this was the this was the expensive stuff worth a years wages judas says what a waste he did not say this because he cared about the poor. And, and I wonder how many times, you may have even heard about Timber Creek, oh, pfft, i got a rock wall in the kids' center at the Lufkin location. Pfft, think about how much they could have given to the poor. And you can say to them, you know who made that statement famous? Judas Iscariot who betrayed our God. <laughs> you're quoting the Bible, you're quoting, your quote. is that a hero of yours? Can I just tell you something? I am not going to apologize for us investing extravagantly in the next generation. Disney and Nickelodeon are spending a bajillion dollars to try and win the minds of your kids. We spend a bajillion dollars on the back end of their education for them to get a four-year degree, hoping that they'll make it somewhere. It's something with a degree that 70% of them will never even use. Why would we not want to invest on the front end, not of their education, but their spiritual development, by providing a place that they can come and bring their friends. And if that's extravagant, I'm great to pour that out for the next generation. <laughs> now, he didn't say this because he cared about the poor. Here's the deal. It was because he was a thief. Uh-oh. Because as keeper of the money bag, can you believe this? As the keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it.
1: Oh, no,
0: he didn't. Oh, yes, he did. It says it right there. Can you imagine we're passing the offering plate and someone goes, hmm. and helping themselves? Now, that sounds like, a, I guess, a good strategy to make some money or save some money, short term. Can I, I can tell you that I've, I've got a strategy for saving some money. I don't know if you, you may think this works, but here's the deal. Every time I go to Walmart, I use the self-checkout, and when I do, I will, I will ring up four or five items, and then, like, the next six, seven, or eight items, I just put in the grocery bag. I don't scan it. I, I don't scan it, you, and that's, here's the deal. It saves, me a mon- it saves me money, and it's not like Walmart needs it, okay? There's plenty of people. There's plenty of people in Walmart given t- to Walmart, okay? And, and, like, I need, I need that extra because I don't know if I'm going to make it. Because you know how expensive groceries are these days. You know how stuff has. So, so, I gotta, so, so my way of saving a little side money is, like, every sixth, seventh, or eighth item, I just don't, I just don't buy it. Now, if I – now, pause. That's a joke. <laughs> That's a joke. Some of you are like, oh, man, okay, okay. <laughs> but let me say it this way. How many of you would say, hey, that ain't a good idea? You may think you're just saving yourself some money, but here's how Walmart would see that. Walmart would see that as stealing. Walmart would see that as you wouldn't have a gun, but it would be robbing them. Who would ever do that? Who would ever want to do that? And yet, do you know what we do with our generosity? We give, we give Judas a bad rap, but when we withhold our generosity, God says that's like robbing him. Oof. I don't want to be guilty of that. I want to be faithful, even in the little things. I just have a question for you Am I generous? Number two, why did Mary give such an extravagant gift? <laughs> I'll tell you why. Most scholars believe she didn't have a big old worth a year's wage kind of bucket of perfume because she was wealthy. This wasn't for her just to smell good. Most scholars believe that this was a dowry. That this was a gift for her future husband's family. So that when that husband would take her in, that family provided that dowry. So I want you to understand what's really, really happening here. A single woman gives her key to her future and pours it out on the feet of the one who holds her future. She pours out the key to her future, her key to for better or worse and sickness and health till death do us part. Her key to love, her key to acceptance, her key to covering, her key to, to um, a, 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 a place in this world, economic status, all of these things. Her husband was the key to that and he, she pours it all out to the real key, to the one who will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory, who you can trust, who, who, who is closer than a brother, who will provide, who can be trustworthy, who will never leave you or forsake you the real bridegroom. This is an incredible gift of extravagance showing, I'm gonna put all my trust in you. I completely trust you with my future. And then why was Judas so upset about it? Ugh. Because we all deal with it. It's selfishness. It's selfishness. That's the enemy of generosity. Write it down. The enemy of generosity is selfishness. God knows that you are born selfish. One of the first words we, we learn is what? Mine. Come on parents, you ever hear your kids arguing in the other room? It's mine, I want it, I'm like eh, eh, eh. And you walk in there and say, what's going on? Like, they won't let me have it, they wanna. And you as a good parent, you like, you don't matter what it is. It's like, you're so sick of it. You're like, just give it to them. Just give it to them. But it's not theirs, it's mine. I don't care, just give it to them. But dad, I'm 12 and they're four and it's a BB gun. Give it to them, I don't care. Like selfishness is just in our DNA, everybody. You're born selfish. Guess what? You're born again. When you're born again, God shifts that to a heart of generosity. We have to fight that selfishness. As keeper of the money bag Judas used to help himself to what was put, he was just selfish. Here's the evidence of generosity. Would you write it down? It's revealed in the heart, not the amount. Do you think she was generous because it was a year's wage? Does that matter to God? It matters to me. If I gave a year's wage, that would matter to me. Does that even matter to God? Can I say something to you? The streets are made of gold the, 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 of heaven. 300 miles wide, 300 miles high. The walls are made of priceless jewelry, uh, diamonds and rubies and sapphires. The gates are made of pearl. Gold is like gravel to God. God. He paves the street with it. Gold is like gravel to God. He don't care about the year's wage. It's not about the amount. It's about the heart. And Mary's heart was saying, if I have you, I have all I need. If I will be committed to you and you will be committed to me, this, you are worth everything that I have. You know what the reward of generosity is? <laughs> Untold treasures in heaven. And so if gold is gravel, what kind of treasure are you really storing up in heaven? It's not gold. It's not the next crypto. That's not what you're storing up in heaven. Do you know what the real treasure in heaven is? People. People. And as you are generous through the local church, as you're generous to do what God has called you to do, God's agenda has always been people, and our generosity, the agenda is people. Keep going. Keep going. So on your card, your, your bulletin, but also your commitment card that's in your seats. We just pull that out and just hang on to it. Now, if you hold this, uh, you're not committing to anything. Just hold it. If you wanna wrap it up, put your gum in it, throw it away, I, that's fine. But I want everybody to take the card, the commitment card that's on your seat. And if you don't have one, look to the purse, steal the one next to you. Let them be generous to you. No, I'm kidding. There's, there are five questions and then we're gonna end today. You may not start where God wants you to start when it comes to getting saved and following him. You still got stuff you want to get better at, right? I know I do, he's still working on me. And your generosity journey is the same. Not everybody starts the generosity journey the same and God wants to invite you on a journey of generosity. Everybody is a potential giver though. But here's the question you're asking, write it down very quickly. When I'm a potential giver, I'm asking the question, what do I wanna do with my stuff? What do I wanna do with my stuff? You got stuff? You want to do stuff with it. You want to go on vacation with it. You want to pay the bills with it. What do you want to do with your stuff? That's a potential giver. Every one of us have that. And do you know that over 40% of our church are potential givers? Meaning they've never taken a next step and started giving into the kingdom of God. Four out of 10 are not giving. That's not an indictment to me. In fact, that's not not a, a bad thing for me. That's a great thing for me. Here's why. Because that means that we're, we're reaching people that can take a next step. That we're all not all already taking steps. Maybe that's you, I want you to know that, there's no condemnation. But I'm inviting you to trust God and take a next step. And maybe that next step would be to emerge in giving. Just to simply step out of potential and actually do something. We say it like this, your God-given potential is our mission, but engaging your God-given potential is your mission. I can't engage your God-given potential for you. I can't emerge as a giver for you, but you can emerge as a giver, okay? And so the question you would ask is, what do I want to give from my stuff? You emerge and you start asking the question, what do I want to give from my stuff, but then you go into consistent giving. And the more you stretch that muscle, I can tell you, the same that I've been running miles with some friends that a few weeks ago uh, said, we could never run two miles without stopping. And just ran 10 miles yesterday without stopping. Commitment gets you to the starting line. Consistency gets you to the finish line. And consistency, getting committed but then getting consistent, it stretches some new muscles. And the question you would begin to ask then is, what do I want to give from God's stuff? And do you see the change? When you begin to see your stuff as not your stuff, but you see your stuff as God's stuff, you then begin to make a heart change. And you're still choosing what you're going to give. Then we get into tithe giving, which the word tithe means 10%. It is the biblical expectation from Genesis to Revelation. It's way beyond law. It was before law. It's after law. Jesus talks about it in the gospels. The law talks about it in the law of Moses, but it happens before the law with Abraham and it happens after Jesus in the book of Hebrews. There's just something about honoring God with the first part of our income, that tithe, that 10%. And here's the question that you ask. What does God expect me to give from God's stuff? That's that's how it changes. It, It moves from what I wanna give to what is God. And maybe you're on this journey and maybe you've never gotten here. I want you to know that's okay. What might it look like to begin to trust God like Mary trusted? Look at this story from our friend here at Timber Creek.
1: I've been coming to Timber Creek for 21 years. So I started when my granddaughter, Journey, was actually in utero. And I got invited here by one of my good friends. And she kept inviting me me to come to church. And I wouldn't go because it was a big church. (laughs) And I didn't want to come to a really big church. But she invited me one Sunday. She said, get dressed. I'm coming to get you. You're going to church with me. In the meantime, Journey was born. My little granddaughter was born, and she was a bad preemie. She only weighed a pound and 14 ounces when she was born, and they lifelighted her to Shreveport, and I asked for prayer from the church. And Sister Lewis called me that Monday and wanted me to know that the church was praying for my granddaughter. Journey got so much out of that prom. She danced with the pastor, she danced with other people like herself. She, was, she still talks about it to everyone that will listen about how wonderful that prom was. And that's part of what we can do as a church when we are cheerful givers. Had not tied on a regular basis. I had given, and I would tie sometimes, but not, not faithfully. And when we decided to go all in, then I decided to go all in, and I said, Lord, okay, if this is of you, then you will make a way. Just wondering, okay, God, you said you can do it, and. Pastor Jeremy preaches about it, and I read it in your word, so you can't lie. So we're just going to throw this thing out. We're going to do it. It was scary. But on the same accord, it wasn't scary because I knew in my heart, I know God, and I know He can't lie. We are not only tithing, we're also going above and beyond. And each time that we do that, we just see blessing upon blessing. And last year we were able to buy a house for the very first time. I've never owned a house and I'm 63 years old. And it hadn't always been easy. Even even now, it's not easy. If you do what he asked you to do, then you're gonna be blessed. And it's just gonna be so overwhelming. It's not always going to be a house. It's not going to always be a car, but he's going to bless you in ways that you know that it's just him.
0: Can you thank Rose for her honesty and transparency? Wow. What a story. And it's not always a cheerful feeling to give because there's things that want to, want to receive all across, but there's something special about putting God first. Finally, we get to this whole idea of extravagant giver, and that's what Mary was. And I'm not inviting you to be a Mary, I'm inviting you to be you. And I'm inviting God to be God, and let him do a work in your heart with wherever you are in this journey. And listen to me, take the journey. If it's not with Timber Creek, take us somewhere. If this is gonna be your local church, the tithe ought to go to the storehouse of the local church. But, but, but if you're going to, if you would go and, and give somewhere to some church, but not this church, then be blessed and go and serve the vision of God in that local church. We don't want it from you. We want it for you. We want it for his kingdom. But here's the question that basically Mary was answering as an extravagant giver What does God want me to keep? What does God want me to keep? Because everything you have is, everything I have is yours. And so I'm going to pour out my most valuable. And I just, Whatever you wanna keep in my hands, it's yours. And that commitment card there has got three options. Last year, like I said, 500 people, including all of our friends and family at Groves Campus. This may be an opportunity for you to make a new commitment where you've never you've never heard about this until now. Nobody's making a commitment today. We'll do this next week, because we're not trying to, to Quick sale. We're not trying to sell you the timeshare before you leave in the next 90 minutes. And it has been a 90 minute sermon, I understand. (laughs) But maybe it's, I invite you to prayerfully consider what God would ask you to do in this season of going all in. For some of you, it may be that you made a commitment last year, you're ready to increase that commitment or you could scratch that out. And if you need to decrease your commitment, because this isn't about, this isn't about you and me, this is about you and God. This isn't, about, this isn't about you and Timber Creek Church, it's about you and God. It's just Timber Creek Church is the conduit. So if you gotta decrease something, okay, that's fine. You don't even have to let us know that, but if that's something that you feel like you need to do, that God's calling you to do, that's fine. Or maybe you just are affirming my commitment. You've already made a commitment. For, for me and my wife, we, we're, we're affirming our commitment. We don't feel like God has asked us to change our commitment, but we are affirming our commitment. So I want you to know that's our story. It may be your story that you would increase or decrease, or for the first time, make one. But here's what will make All In the big win for everybody. Here it is. I hope you leave saying, my church is incredible, I love being a part of my church, and I wanna be a part of my church. That all these things that are happening that, can I say something to you that's true and maybe a little sobering? When you give, you get get to have, there's blessings for those that give. But if you're part of the church but you're not giving, the blessings that come, you don't don't get that on accident. It's reserved for those that serve by giving. You can still be a part of our church and never give. 40% aren't right now. And we love you and we hope you come back. But there's something about being a part. I hope that you'll leave today saying, man, my God wants to do more than I can imagine through me and my church. And then third, I'd invite you to make a commitment to make a commitment, to accelerate God's vision. We will not, we cannot, we can't. I wish we could, but we can't, outpace your generosity for what God wants to do next. And what God wants to do next is gonna blow my mind, and gonna blow your mind. But we can't outpace your generosity. And so maybe you would affirm or make new or increase a commitment, whatever God lays on your heart. We do all that, we go all in, all we're doing is following suit of a God who before you could ever do anything went all in for you and for me. Amen, everybody. Can I pray over you? Jesus, thank you. You did not lean over the walls of heaven and give us a mathematical equation to wash our sin away. You went all in. You went all in to this world, to the humanity, to the suffering, to the questions to the slaps, to the the ripping of your beard, to the spit in your face, and yet you laid it all down and went all in for us. May we just consider the magnitude of your generosity to us and may we be just a little bit more generous towards you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Everybody everywhere say amen.